it's Mike McEntee. I was going to say happy Monday to you. It just feels that way because Memorial Day just, you know, gets the week off to a, 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 a less of a start. I'm happy about that. I hope you survived your 100 degrees yesterday. You've been hearing the big news that uh, we've been talking about. Uh, ABC canceled Roseanne today after, you know, she tweeted about uh, Obama advisor Valerie Jarrett as a product of the Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes. Uh, we're going to be chatting about that today, and we'll be opening the phones a little bit later at 952-946-6205 to hear your thoughts on that. And also, Starbucks, you may, may have noticed that they were closed today. That's for diversity training. It's The CEO decided that employees needed that when, well, they called the police because there were black people in the store doing nothing wrong, but they were black. So what are employees being told, and will it be effective? We're going to talk with somebody who has worked with Starbucks on a similar training in the past, but first... Let's check in on the news from Washington, D.C. with Michael Olisker of Talk Media News. And, Michael, we were just chatting before the show here. The big news there everywhere is uh, what happened here with ABC and what Trump might say about that tonight. Yeah, it's it's very sad. Uh, what, what Roseanne Barr tweeted is kind of symptomatic of what has happened with the language and with our um, the way we treat each other, the lack of civility that has uh, infected the whole country. Uh, you can you can look at, you know, the messages that come out of the White House on a, a practically on a daily basis. Uh, but it but it's not just there. If you look at uh, websites and you see the kind of uh, sewage that comes out of people's minds, uh, the the awful language the the terrible uh, level of criticism that is that is offered. Uh, if you go to newspaper websites, you know I, I spent uh, half a century working for newspapers in Baltimore and, and overseas as well. And um, there was always a rule: if you sent a letter to the editor, um, you had to put not only your name but your phone number on it, so that the uh, letters editor could call you confirm that you had written it and that then if they decided to run your letter in the newspaper uh, it would be accompanied by your name well now online you have anonymity and as a result of that you have people who are who are just spilling the worst kind of of verbal sewage and um, it has infected the whole country and and what Roseanne Barr did today is kind of a, a prima facie example of the kind of thing that the, the whole country is going through now, where we we, um, we we don't seem to care about the level of civility, the level of unkindness. And, um, you know, there are people who will say, well, look, it worked for Donald Trump, didn't it? Um, he said the meanest thing about uh, things about his own opponents, his, the members of his own party, in order to win the nomination, and of course, <laughs> started out with with lies even before that about uh, you know about uh, Barack Obama uh, you know not being an American citizen, got away with all of that kind of stuff, and so this kind of of, of lying and lack of civility seems to pay off, and um, I guess Roseanne Barr figured, hey, it'll be a laugh. Well, ABC, to their credit, said, no, uh, we're, we're not laughing. In fact, uh, you're getting the hell out of here, lady, um, which I think was a very brave thing for ABC to do in, uh, in the current context because we are dealing with a media landscape that has changed so dramatically that is going through convulsions. Uh, network television stations, ABC, CBS, NBC, uh, they're struggling to find an audience. And here, uh, out of the blue, uh, Roseanne came back and drew a huge audience. And um, one of her biggest fans was Donald Trump. He made it clear how happy uh, she wa he was because uh, her politics happened to agree with his. And now it's going to be interesting to see if um, he he's giving a speech somewhere tonight, uh, I forget where, but it's going to be interesting to see if he makes some kind of comment about uh, her getting fired. 
Yeah. We're, we're speaking, <coughs> by the way, folks, we are speaking with Michael Olesker of, of Talk Media News. Uh, we're, we're chatting about, obviously, what Roseanne Barr said today and what, uh, what the reaction has been. I'm assuming since uh, Donald Trump has been such a big supporter of Roseanne Barr, and he pointed out right away, you know, since her, she and her character on the show are Trump supporters and they were winning in the ratings and he made a big deal out of that. I'm assuming that he's going to say something about that tonight, but has the White House had any statement or anything about this today at all, or has it been just kind of radio silence? I, I haven't heard anything out of the White House, but let, let me make one last point about um, uh, how Americans, I think, have taken their signal from this White House. Um, th- this is a man, remember, after Charlottesville, who said um, there were people of good, uh, there were good people on both sides of of the um, the march in Charlottesville, where there were, you know, Nazis, Nazi sympathizers, spouting all kinds of racist and anti-Semitic uh, garbage, and um, uh, Trump said, you know, there are good people on both sides. I want to remind people that in the aftermath of that, George W. Bush said that bigotry bigotry seems emboldened after after what donald trump said and i think um that is what we saw in roseanne barr uh today that she like so many americans um has had her her bigotry emboldened by the stuff that has come out of the white house I don't know that the White House has said anything uh, yet today about her getting fired by ABC. It's going to be interesting to see if he says, um, hey, she has a right to say whatever she wants to say. This is America. She has First Amendment rights. Well, that's a pretty good argument, except uh, let's remember um just as she has First Amendment rights, so do those um, National Football League players who chose this year to take a knee rather than stand during the national anthem. And as rational people know, they did not do that to disrespect the flag, to disrespect the national anthem. They made it explicit that this was their way of saying um, we, we are protesting um, the the shooting of uh, innocent black young men by police. Uh, this was not about disrespecting the flag or the national anthem. Uh, hell, half the people who uh, who were protesting that uh, are the same people who uh, are at the ballpark and during the national anthem are back in the stands buying a beer or uh, you know. Uh, palling around with their friends or going to the men's room. So, uh, you know, I, I don't buy that bunk at all. But but it was Donald Trump, remember, who said, mm-hmm. um, uh, and, and reinforced it again just the other day, that those guys should be thrown out of the country. Well, don't they have the same First Amendment rights as the rest of us? Don't they have the same First Amendment rights as Roseanne Barr? Um, so uh, if he if he goes with that kind of an argument tonight, um, I, I want to remind him of uh, of the, uh, those football players. Yeah, we'll have to uh, see what happens. He's headed off for a Make America Great Again rally and fundraiser in Nashville tonight. So uh, Nashville, we'll have, yeah. We'll have, to, we'll have to see what's happening there. As you mentioned, the president often leads the conversation a lot of things here nationally, and one thing that he's been doing is trying to change the narrative on what's going on with uh, Robert Mueller. And today he tweeted out something that just, again— uh, alleging without any evidence that uh, Robert Mueller is trying to meddle in the mid- middle term, excuse me, midterm elections to benefit Democrats. Mike, the, the key phrase you used there was without any evidence. Um, this is this is a guy, Mueller, who has worked for presidents of both parties. Um, he is a solid professional. Um, Donald Trump has a tendency to blame people for the very things that um, he himself is being blamed for. Um, he um, is the last man in America to, um, to admit that there was meddling by the Russians 
uh, in our last election. Um, so he thinks that this whole thing is bogus. He thinks that, uh, you know, he keeps using that that term uh, witch hunt. Um, you know, there are there are people in his own party. There are people of goodwill in in both parties um, who are appalled at the thought that um, not only that the Russians meddled in this election, this most sacred democratic process, small d, but that we have done almost nothing. And we had all of our intelligence chiefs who, who uh, testified before a congressional committee who said the president has not asked them to do anything um, to look into how we can protect ourselves from the Russians or anybody else trying to do this to us in the future. What is that all about? This is um, inconceivable to many of us that this happened in the first place, but that we're doing so little to keep it from happening once more. Um, and so when he says, um, you know, that um, uh, Mueller is trying to uh, meddle with with the next election, it's precisely the opposite. It's, it's that, that people are saying, why hasn't this president made, uh, made certain to, to take steps to, to make sure that this doesn't happen again? It's not Mueller who is the danger to a future election. It is this president who first denies that anything happened in the last election and then, you know, turns a deaf ear to please from uh, just about everybody that we make sure that nothing happens in the next election. Speaking about denying that things have happened, here's here's an interesting stat I saw today. It's a, it, 64 was the number that the official the official government statistic on how many and I'll say make sure that everybody understands United States citizens died in Puerto Rico when Hurricane Maria hit. Well, now we're finding out from studies being done here uh, that possibly about 4,600 people that's 70 times larger died and that we still in in puerto rico we still have a faltering power grid lack of essential services lack of water i'm i'm just wondering if this was on the mainland you know or Uh, in the 50 contiguous states would we would be putting up with this these are these are united states citizens that are facing this is the trump administration doing anything on this how about if it was a red state how about if it was a red state would it be the same thing? How about if it was a red state? How about if it was a state with mostly white-skinned people? Would the reaction then be different? And this gets us back to Roseanne again. This gets us back to Roseanne um, talking about Valerie Jarrett. It gets us back to Donald Trump saying there were good people on both sides of the fight in Charlottesville, where one side had uh, neo-Nazis spouting racist and anti-Semitic garbage. Um, This is about people who not only live off the mainland, but have brown skin. And um, I I don't for a moment believe that um, his response would have been the same if it it was, as you said, uh, people in one of the 50 contiguous states, um, or if it was a red state, or if it was just, well, you know, one of his states. And uh, we, we only, by the way, folks, we're talking with Michael Oleska of Talk Media News. We've got just a, a couple minutes left here. Uh, North Korea, it's been on again, off again, on again. Where are we with this? Has, has anything transpired in the last uh, 24 hours that uh, gives Kim, us hope that we're going to have something happen? Kim Jong-un's right-hand guy was supposed to meet with uh, some of our representatives in Washington today. That's a good sign. Uh, leaders of North Korea and South Korea met over the weekend. That's a good sign. Japan and China are showing signs that they're uh, getting more and more involved. That's a good sign. President Trump says um, uh, he's hopeful that we can get this going June 12th, which was the original date. That's a good sign. Um, Let's let's give him uh, some credit here. He's won a couple of, of battles already. 
North Korea did stop their nuclear testing, their missile testing. They stopped it. They released three American hostages. Uh, they apparently blew up for everybody to witness their only known nuclear test site. All of this is good for us, but it has put Kim in an awkward position. What has he gotten in return? So far, nothing. But instead of that, just to add insult to injury, he's had to listen to John Bolton, the national security advisor and a, and a real hardliner, Bolton uh, making some scary comments comparing North Korea to Libya and the overthrow and the killing there of Colonel Muammar Gaddafi. For Kim to hear that, it has to be not only infuriating, but frankly, scary. You know, this is the family business. Um, this is not just about his country. This is about Kim Jong-un himself. And um, so far, he has gotten no concessions from Trump. And um, Trump has won some some small victories, and, and not even so small. Um, but are we, gonna, are we really going to expect him to completely denuke? That's... That's a stretch, and um, let's take it one step at a time. But right now, the signs are pretty good that um, that they will have a meeting June 12th. But let's keep in mind, this president is a prisoner of his whims. And what is true at this very moment, as you and I talk, that doesn't mean that the moment uh, we get off the air or the moment Donald Trump's whim changes, um, that it'll be off the table again. We just don't know. The moment it looks good, let's hold our breath. All right. Michael Lesker with uh, Talk Media News. I appreciate you filling us in today, and uh, we'll be checking back in. All right, Mike. Good talking to you. Okay. Take take care. We're going to take a break here, folks, but when we get back, we've got... uh, We've got some breaking news here going on with the uh, Minnesota gubernatorial campaign. We'll get into that and some of the other things happening at the legislature. Yes, the state capitol. There's still stuff happening. That's all next year on the Mike McEntee Show. We can work it out. We can work it out. The fourth annual Minneapolis St. Paul Mini Maker Fair is a festival of creativity showcasing the projects of local builders, scientists, gamers, artists, and makers. The Makers Fair is on June 2nd from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m at the Minnesota State Fair Grandstand. Curious about robots? We've got them. Want to learn how to carve wood or weld? Covered. Feel an urge to upcycle odd materials into art? Get inspired. Explore electricity, ride a human-powered Ferris wheel, and discover local resources for makers of all kinds. It's a great day of family fun with interactive exhibits and to maker demonstrations appropriate for all ages, including a special make-and-take area for kids. Plus, there will be live music, street performers, and presentations. The Minneapolis-St. Paul Mini Maker Fair is June 2nd from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds Grandstand. Discounted tickets available at msp.makerfair.com. That's msp.makerfair.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for maker profiles and updates on what to see at this year's fair. This is Dan Brooks, Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor with RBC Wealth Management. For the past 19 years, I've been managing wealth for individuals, institutions, and corporate retirement plan sponsors. Throughout my career, I've seen common traits in successful investors. They include the courage to be diversified, the willingness to work with a professional, the discipline to follow a plan, and patience. I welcome the opportunity to help contribute to your financial success. Call me at 612-371-2396. This is Pat with PJW Automotive. How do you choose an automotive repair shop? I bet you look for quality and dependability. You want someone you can trust to do the job right the first time. It saves you money and hassle because you're not coming back over and over again. My team of top-notch automotive specialists knows vehicles inside and out, and I guarantee it's worth the drive to PJW Automotive. One exit north of 694 on 35W and online at pjwauto.com. Welcome back to the Mike McIntyre Show here on AM 950. A little bit of breaking news out of the, uh, I I was going to say the Republican, but it's the Democratic side of the uh, gubernatorial race. 
And it's maybe stuff that a lot of people don't pay attention to, but if you do pay attention to the campaigns, you might be concerned. Rebecca Otto has parted ways with her campaign manager. Uh, she has declined to give a reason for the uh, departure, which she said happened within the past week. Uh, it is, uh, I'm looking for the name here. Uh, it, last name is Neeland. Uh, he joined the can he, Otto's campaign last fall. He's a former Minneapolis City Council member who ran the DFL party, coordinated campaign and work for ask me council five he did not uh he, he has been trying to i should say build a large grassroots operation to get the campaign's message out statewide uh, rebecca otto says she's not concerned about the change now the uh the campaigns are of course all focusing on the convention which is going to be held this friday saturday and sunday in rochester and the uptake is going to be live streaming from there. And you'll be able to watch uh, that and the Republican convention, which is going on at the same time in Duluth. It's wonderful how they organize this, but we'll be live streaming both of those conventions gavel to gavel on the uptake. You cannot get that anywhere else in the entire state, but we'll be live streaming that. But we are trying to get your help to pay for it. It costs money, and it costs a little bit more than we thought it would. So we are doing a fundraiser right now. We're trying to raise $3,000 before we get to the convention, and we have practically raised half of that in less than a day. That's how quickly people are responding to this because they realize how important it is. But we could use your help as well. If you go over to theuptake.org and you scroll down, there's a, a little box that says Give MN. And there's a little title over it that says, uh, help us uh, stream the Republican and uh, Democratic conventions. If you think it's really important for everybody to not only see what happens there, but to have a record, an archive. And as we all know, there's been some things that have been said at conventions that you really want to come back and say, did they really say that? Well, the uptake over the last 10 years has been that record, been that uh, been that place you can go to, to debunk uh, some, what somebody has said or to prove what somebody has said by what they said at a, at a particular convention or political debate or whatever it may be. So um, help us out. Go over to theuptake.org. Uh, we've got some little uh, little perks. If you uh, pledge 25, 50, uh, 75, uh, 100 bucks to help us out, and I shouldn't say pledge, you're actually, you're donating. You're donating. And if we get the we, we're hoping to get all the money. We're going to try to do it anyhow, but it would, uh, it would help us pay the bills if you can, uh, if you can help us fund the campaign. Uh, I should say the coverage of the campaigns. There we go. Uh, a couple other notes here out of, um, out of the St. Paul Capitol. Uh, Governor Mark Dayton today said he is going to sign the public employee pension bill. Now, this had virtually no opposition in the legislature. But it was being held back by the Republicans until the last minute of the session. It passed just before adjournment, just before midnight. This is going to put public pensions on a sure footing for the next several decades. It involved concessions by employees and the state. Governor Dayton is going to sign that. That is what we hear. Now, he also says he is going to have an announcement tomorrow on the fate of the $825 million bonding bill. Uh, he has been working on the bonding bill uh, for this morning, this past morning. It is the one bill, well, one of the bills, I should say. You can do this on the budget, but where you can line item veto. So he may be able to veto projects and sign other projects. But as you remember, he was he was critical of this because it was borrowing or essentially taking a lot of money from a pot of money that he didn't think should be used for bonding. Uh, so... It's possible he may he may veto that up, you know, up to that amount. So we'll have to see. Um, other news here. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> this was this was interesting. By the way, um, as you know, Eric Paulson's having his uh, town hall meeting tomorrow. I say his. Well, it's actually three town hall meetings, but it's the first one he's really had that's public in seven years. He's been avoiding this for a long time. I think the uptake was there when he did his last public one. But voters are only allowed in with a pre-approved ticket and a photo ID. And a lot like the uh, town halls that Jason Lewis had last week, uh, a lot of people are not getting in who would like to get in and like to ask questions. Well, uh, the, uh, the campaign from uh, Dean Phillips, that's his Democratic opposition, has put out some questions that you might want to ask if you happen to get to uh, one of these meetings. And uh, I, I'll throw out a couple of questions here. 
It says, you challenged your last opponent to sign the People's Pledge to put a, to put a stop to spend outside spending in the race, but you won't sign it this year as part of the Minnesota Way Pledge. What's changed? Why won't you sign it? Here's another question. You've taken almost $1 million from pharmaceutical companies while prescription drugs become even more expensive for seniors. Why have you opposed efforts to allow Medicare to negotiate prescription drug prices? Again, these are these are questions obviously being offered up by the Dean Phillips campaign, but they're legitimate questions that if you were uh, going to an Eric Paulson town hall meeting and got a chance to ask, well, I think there would be a good reason for you to ask that. Uh, another one here. Net neutrality is an important tool to protect a free and open Internet, yet you have taken uh, the money from the telecommunications industry and supported their efforts to deregulate the industry. Is there any connection between that and your opposition to net neutrality? Lots of questions. Lots of questions. I, I hope that uh, some of these questions get raised and that we get some good answers at these uh, upcoming town hall meetings. There, There's three of them going on tomorrow, so maybe you are one of the lucky few who will be able to go. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a break, but then we're going to jump into uh, another controversy we've been talking about, Starbucks. You notice that they closed their stores today? We're going to talk about what was going on behind those closed doors. That's all next year on the Mike McEntee Show. No matter what your taste, you'll find the music you're looking for at the Electric Fetus. Pick from rock, pop, international, roots music, and so much more on CD and vinyl. Or create your own compilation of favorites with the exclusive Mix and Burn CD station. Only available at the Electric Fetus. Dust off your vinyl or just make some space by turning your unwanted music into cash. The used selection changes daily, so check out the new arrivals often. 2000 4th Avenue South in Minneapolis and online at efetus.com. The fine folks at Common Good Books will help you find the perfect book for you or the book lover in your life. Find a huge selection from a locally owned and independent bookseller in the Twin Cities. They are always bringing in top authors from around the globe for special in-store events. Open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Sundays, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Find Common Good Books at 38 South Snelling Avenue in St. Paul or shop online at commongoodbooks.com. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces is having their annual service special. Every stove, insert, and fireplace needs maintenance. Get it done now and save $40. You'll be ready to fire up before the cold weather hits again. From 94, take the Riverside Avenue exit and go east to 2901 Franklin Avenue. See the Twin Cities' most diverse selection of clean-burning, reliable, and environmentally smart stoves and fireplaces. Hi, I'm Peter Solak, owner of Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. Have you ever watched your dog or cat curl up front of a fire like a Norman Rockwell painting brought to life. It's primordial the way fire touches both the animal and the human. We have the equipment and the know-how to supply, install, and maintain stoves and fireplaces. Call us at 612-338-6606 and take advantage of our spring cleaning and maintenance special. We are online at woodlandstoves.com. The mission and the passion of Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces is to make the fire work for you. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, out of the ordinary products and services since 1977. With your AM950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Tonight will be mostly cloudy with a low around 68 and showers and thunderstorms likely. Tomorrow will be mostly cloudy with a high near 82 with more thunderstorms likely. And Thursday is partly sunny with a high near 82 with a slight chance of showers. Eat Local Minnesota is a great way to find locally owned Minnesota restaurants. Each choice features high quality food and unique eating experiences. And the best part is the money you spend stays local. Find a full list of restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. Welcome back to the Mike McEntee Show here on AM 950. Starbucks-owned stores across the country and the Twin Cities closed their doors today to have a conversation about race with its employees. You've probably seen the video that triggered today's training sessions. Two black men were arrested at a Philadelphia Starbucks store for doing the same thing that a lot of white people do. They didn't order anything, and they asked to use the restroom. Starbucks is a member of the Multicultural Food Service and Hospitality Alliance, which helps companies with unconscious bias. And Jerry Fernandez is the founder and CEO of that group. He joins us now to talk about the Starbucks story. Jerry, welcome to the program. Well, nice to be here. Thank you. 
Good to have you on. So let's start out with what is unconscious bias? Is that just another way of saying racism? Uh, I wouldn't quite say that. Uh, unconscious bias is automatic assumptions uh, that uh, brains and and everyone does when they see people or ha have certain experiences. It, it triggers things you've seen in the past. So you make connections and automatic assumptions without, you know, intentions or without control. So all of our lives, we develop a certain set of experiences, uh, certain ways to behave. And your brain is always trying to take that 11 million bits of information that's coming at it at any given time and chunk it down so it can make quick decisions. So uh, it takes shortcuts. Everyone, if you have a brain, you have bias, you have unconscious bias. Uh, uh, if you're normal, you, you have unconscious bias. What's important is getting in touch with those biases and changing your behavior around it. And, and that's really what, what um, is, uh, is the focus of the unconscious bias work is get everyone in touch with this stuff, um, give them some tools and some tips on how to overcome bias so you can make better decisions. Now, as I mentioned here at the the beginning, your uh, group has worked with Starbucks in the past. I don't know if you're doing the work with them on what they were doing today, but you've done similar work. What What is likely going on in these Starbucks stores today? Well, uh, they issued a, a, a piece to the press last week where they outlined some of the specifics of video that they produced, which talked about what they were going to try to accomplish in closing the stores today. First of all, it's a tremendous commitment on their part to try to make some headway uh, on an issue that, that could have happened to anyone. You know, what happened to Starbucks could happen to any any retailer because uh, people bring with them their biases, they bring with them their past experiences, their prejudices, and, and they can play out. And so their goal is to have a straight conversation um, with their employees about what kind of organization they want to they want to have what kind of a company they want to be um, and help people, you know, get in touch with the fact that, you know, we all have have these these biases, these prejudices, these experiences. How do we how do we make sure that they're not they're not leading to bad decisions? How do we be inclusive? Uh, and so I think they, they started first with their senior leadership um, and then with their store management and then ultimately, you know, today with all of their employees. Uh, but I think they know. In fact, they've said that, that this is not the end-all, be-all, because you can't change human behavior by, you know, one afternoon or one meeting. This takes time, and it mm -hmm. takes repetition, and it takes it takes people convincing uh, that, you know, hey, that what I'm thinking is, is wrong. People don't change behavior until they are convinced that what they're doing is wrong. Uh, and, and, you know, that's just, that's just human nature. So I think that they know this is the, this is the step that they have a lot more work to do. What that is going to look like uh, is the, the $64,000 question. Uh, obviously, they're going to share it with their internal people first. And then, you know, I think those of us who are partners and supporters will will hear a little bit more about how they plan to, to move this this uh, effort forward. Now, obviously, talking to the employees, talking to the managers about everything you just mentioned is a good way and, and probably one of the, and, and it's one of the ways to deal with the problem. But let's talk about other ways. Are there other ways? Because when we start looking at the industry, we, we find especially, uh, you know, Starbucks as a as a white CEO, we have uh, you know managers of stores that are white. Uh, does that play a part into this? Does getting a diverse, more diverse workforce out there, would that uh, do something to solve this problem? Well, certainly it helps. Again, going back to their press release, Roz Brewer is their number two person in the organization is an African-American woman. And she came out of out of uh, um out of Walmart, so she's she's well healed and really experienced with operating large, you know, multinational uh, global players. Uh, they also have uh, people of color on their board of directors. So, so I think Starbucks is probably in better situation than 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 a lot of the other companies out there, where they're talking about it. They have a plan. They've been involved on diversity and inclusion efforts for well more than ten years. Um, and they have people of color at varying degrees of responsibility in their organization. Now, there are lots of other companies who, who have more work to do. And I don't think anyone's satisfied uh, with, with the, with the um, playing field the way that it is right now. We still have 
uh, inequity in, in, in women and in men's pay. So women still don't earn the same money for the same work. Um, we clearly see more uh, blacks and Latinos and other underrepresented groups at entry level and mid-level managers. Um, but like I always tell people, it takes, uh, it takes about 20 years to grow a colonel in the U.S. Army. It takes about 20 years to grow a vice president in an industry like ours. And so if you haven't been planting seeds for a long time and developing people, uh, it's going to be much harder to see that diversity showing up at senior levels and, and executive levels, um, um, no matter what company, no matter what industry. Now, no matter what you do here in America, what you, the people, the pool of people you hire are, are the people who are in America. So I have to ask, right. is, mm-hmm. is this a systemic problem that's just in the hospitality industry uh, or is it America in general that uh, we are dealing with this? And this is, this is something that maybe we should be having these sessions with, with uh, everybody across America. Well, I, I happen to agree with you. I think that what's changing is the browning of America has has is has occurred. There are now more children, uh, more than fifty percent of, of of births are born to to you know black, Latino, Asian, and other non-white groups. So the reality of the American landscape is there's going to be more people of color, more minorities, more immigrants, um, and that's just a fact. And so there. There are some pockets of people feel like, hey, somehow, you know, these new immigrants are taking our jobs or with the focus being on developing women and people of color that somehow, you know, the pie gets smaller. When in fact, you know, we see it quite the opposite, that, you know, a bigger pie creates more opportunities for more people. And that's everyone. And, you know, you don't have to be a person of color to be successful in, in, in communities of color. So I know plenty of white males and white females who do really well leading and developing um, minorities, immigrants, others who are not like them because they look at people are people. Everybody wants to have uh, a a way to support their family. They want to feel valued. They want to be respected. They want to be heard. And I think we're going to have to do that in a more inclusive way than we have in the past. Uh, That means we're going to have to deal with some of the tough issues around race. Uh, There there are still uh, lots of Lots of places where, you know, by the skin you're in um, will indicate whether you get service or you don't get service, whether you you have a positive interaction with, with uh, an institution or a negative. And, you know, those are just issues that, that are going to have to be faced. We have to be sure that more Hispanics are getting college education because, uh, you know, as they become a bigger portion of the population, we want an educated workforce uh, so America can win. We can't win if only... Only, you know, one group uh, is getting highly educated and everyone else is falling behind. We need everyone, regardless of the package God put them in, to, to be achieving at high levels, both in our companies, in our communities, in our schools, and in the government. And so, you know, this whole issue of uh, diversity is, 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 is what's natural. It's what we have right now. It's learning how to engage it. And, and develop people so everybody feels included. And so we don't have issues like we had with people uh, uh, in the Starbucks in, in Philly. You know, those, those, those things we want to try to eliminate. Um, and, and I think ongoing training, ongoing conversations, honest conversation about race and culture, uh, uh, you know, I think it will go a long way. But as long as the political discord is, is, is as, um, you know, inhospitable as it has been um, and we don't practice civility and we you heard you heard the, the tweet from Roseanne um, I mean those things just you know what would make people think you could say that and that would be okay you know mm-hmm. I, I just don't get it you, you, you lose your job for things like that let's, let's talk about that because we've been talking about that uh, it kind of interweaves in a lot of things we've been chatting about on the show today we saw ABC take immediate and decisive action on a racial incident when its uh, CEO announced Roseanne Barr's show would be canceled because of a racist tweet she made, I should point out that one of the executives uh, at ABC is one of is is uh, an African American and uh, you know took you know was part of making that uh, immediate action. Uh, Starbucks uh, CEO was very swift with his apology and decision to hold trainings. How important is it to take swift action that's clear uh, and it is it is uh, from the top. And why don't most companies do that? 
because we end up well, with PR, press people, you know, all sorts of stuff, ambiguous language. Well, press people want to get paid too, so I, I get, I get that. But it, it, it's the best run, run companies. Smart business people have figured out that when you make a mistake, how quickly you respond and how thoroughly you react to it makes all the difference in the world. And Starbucks hasn't, you know, hasn't lost a lot, hasn't lost business as a result of this because they did the right thing right away. Now they're not perfect, and they're probably going to have more missteps because that's human nature. But more companies need to step up, and I think you're going to see more of that happening because you know the the federal government and our elected officials can't seem to get things done, and CEOs they know how to get stuff done. And if they start working together and they collaborate on things, you're going to see you're going to see movement. And, and at the end of the day, you can't win. In an American business, if you don't have a qualified, well-trained workforce, and if that workforce happens to be more Hispanic or more female or more immigrant, you have to make sure that you're giving them every opportunity to achieve and produce at a high level. And the same is true of customers. Customers come in all sizes, shapes, and colors. And in one sense, you don't really care what group they, what box they check off on the census. You just want to make sure that you're giving them a high-quality experience. If it's a restaurant, if you're an auto dealer, whatever the case may be, customers are customers. And if they don't get treated right, they're going to take their dollars and they're going to go somewhere else. So I think people will vote with their feet. Um, I think you're also going to see uh, a more ex- aggressive change. You know, these young kids from the shootings and all that, they're, they're going to say to politicians, we're not waiting for you. You guys aren't going to make a decision. You, you know, we're going to we're going to vote you out. And so I think that the Me Too movement uh, where women's issues are finally being addressed in a serious way. People are losing jobs. People from big organizations and big, you know, personalities are being held accountable. And I think we should we should keep the focus on these things because this is perhaps the kind of change that you know will really um, have long lasting implications. You know, I have granddaughters and and I want to see them treated fairly uh, regardless of the skin they're in. And I don't want them to be harassed um, by the same token. I want to want to see that my grandsons uh, are being treated properly and that they're treating their friends and everybody else properly. So I think corporate is going to lead because that's what they always do. I think it's become more um, acceptable for CEOs to check in on 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 uh, social issues. And I think that's largely because politicians aren't doing their work. We're speaking with Jerry Fernandez. He is the CEO and founder of Multicultural Food Service and the Hospitality Alliance, which helps companies with a lot of different things, including training on unconscious bias. We've been talking about what's been going on at Starbucks here today. You deal with all sorts of companies on these issues. I'd like your macro view on this. Are we getting better or are we getting worse? Because we hear so about these incidents like in Philadelphia. Is it just that we're talking about it more and that's an indication that we're dealing with it or is it really getting worse? Well, it's, it's a very good question. I think, first off, because of social media, things that we didn't know about before are now um, you know, on the front page. So things that might not have been widely reported are now showing up in someone's cell phone. And so it's kind of like um, because more instances are getting covered, does that mean there's more instances of it taking place? I don't think anybody really knows the answer to that. I've been in this work for 22 years. I've been in the restaurant industry for 44 years. And, you know, I feel like it, it's 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 like uh, style. Sometimes you go, the pendulum goes to the right and it goes to the left and it goes back to back to the middle. I think we are making some progress. I think because you have more CEOs talking about this, because people have seen the business case, this isn't just a social, moral, ethical rationale. This is about business. If you don't get smart people, you can't run the business effectively. That goes right to the bottom line. If you can't sell and market to all customers, then your sales go down. That goes right to your bottom line. So I think I think we're making progress. I think they're, they're, this whole issue of baby boomers retiring now is, is opening up, you know, more opportunity for younger people to move up. But by the same token, you know, you have to be careful not to forget the lessons you've learned sometimes there's an old saying that 
you know, before you take down a fence post, make sure you know why they put it up in the first place. <laughs> because because if you if you have um, support for diversity and inclusion, you have these guidelines, and then 10 years go by or 15 years go by and you, you dismantle that stuff, you may find out that, you know, if you forget history, you're destined to repeat it. So I think we have to stay focused. This is a business issue. It's a it's a it's a take care of your people kind of thing, whether they're your employees, your customers. Um, you know, it's a human rights thing. It's like doing the right thing is not that hard. Everybody knows what it is. But we get so tied into our own agendas that that sometimes we, you know, we put politics before people and mm-hmm. and and, and um, you know, we really don't make good decisions because we're trying to win at this or win at that. And I think corporations have, have made a big um, step forward in making sure that they look at the total picture, their employees, their customers, the communities that they serve, and, uh, and uh, you know, all of their stakeholders, not just the, the, the uh, shareholders. And, and one thing I didn't mention here when I, when I introduced you is that you used to live here in Minneapolis. You used to work for General Mills, uh, one of the, the big big employers around here and you're actually coming back i think in the near future to do some uh some of these uh, seminars that we've just been talking about for businesses when you when you do those i mean who 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 attends these things and what are the kind of questions that you get from businesses well i I did spend nine winters in minneapolis and i'll notice you counted that as winters (laughs) yes yes (laughs) and our boys graduated from from minneapolis public schools and, and i'll always be indebted to general mills and the great people over there who uh, gave me my start. Um, but, you know, today we go around the country and we bring half-day workshops uh, where we talk about some of the issues and then we offer some of this unconscious bias training. We also offer some of our cultural intelligence engagement um, and then some leadership and professional development content that we've developed. And so when we come to the Twin Cities, we'll be, be there in June at Ecolab. Uh, a number of their customers, our members, operators, will send their managers system managers and some of their other uh, leaders to a half-day session where we'll give them an update on the industry's um, uh, progress. So here's what's working, here's what's not working, here's what people are working on. And then we'll introduce the unconscious bias workshop, uh, you know, give them two hours of that, show them what we've been doing across the country and encourage people to keep focused and stay on these kinds of things. Uh, Because once you know what you have, what your biases are, like I have a bias for tattoos on people's neck. Um, you know, for some reason, I don't think it looks good, but because I'm, a, I'm aware of it now, um, when I meet somebody, I consciously say, hey, don't let that enter into how I think about this person or how I will just, you know, have a conversation about this person, particularly if you're looking for work. So once you once you know you've got a bias against something, you can do something about it. That's the, that's the good news about it. All right. Well, I hope you can help people identify their biases because that is going to help us out a lot. Uh, Jerry, I appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, thank you, and thank you for the great work you're doing, and hello to all my uh, former Minnesotan friends. I just, I used to live there. I loved it there, and I still have a lot of friends there, and, and uh, you know, I hope, I'm looking forward to being back there in a few weeks. It was 100 degrees here yesterday. I think you'll enjoy oh, the I weather. I saw that in the news. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jerry. All right, take care. <laughs> Take care. Thanks. Folks, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, I'd like, we're going to open the phone lines, 952-946-6205. Uh, rapid fire. What did you think about what happened with Roseanne Barr being fired today, her show being canceled because of the racist tweet she sent out? Uh, instant justice? Upset about it? 952-946-6205. It's the Mike McEntee Show here on AM 950. What kind of a jackass would let an animal pick their insurance? Did you really think a lizard could save you money on car insurance? Would you let a duck pick your health policy? Insurance can be a zoo, but this is ridiculous. What you really need is an insurance agent that isn't looking out for the insurance companies. You need Cheryl at Array, an independent agent with 30 years experience looking for the best rate possible. Quit monkeying around and call 763-504-3067. That's 763-504-3067 for Cheryl at Array, representing you, not the insurance company. Companies. Minnesota's appliance specialists at Warner's Deli and are offering memorable savings right now. Choose any Bosch or KitchenAid dishwasher at our guaranteed price, then save more with free installation from our trusted specialists. Save hundreds on top-rated laundry pairs, French door refrigerators, and more kitchen packages than you can count. Warner's Deli has all the best brands, including Whirlpool, GE, 
Frigidaire, LG, and Samsung. Memorable savings on appliances now through June 2nd can only be found at Minnesota's original appliance specialist, Warner Stallion. This is Dan Brooks, Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor with RBC Wealth Management. For the past 19 years, I've been managing wealth for individuals, institutions, and corporate retirement plan sponsors. Throughout my career, I've seen common traits in successful investors. They include the courage to be diversified, the willingness to work with a professional, the discipline to follow a plan, and patience. I welcome the opportunity to help contribute to your financial success. Call me at 612-371-2396. It's home improvement season, and you know there's lots of projects to tackle. Here's one that won't break the budget. Get your air ducts cleaned by Zero Res. They need to be cleaned every three to five years to improve your furnace and your air quality. This month, save $50 when you get your air ducts Zero Resified. Plus, this month, get three rooms of carpet Zero Res clean, starting at $139. Call 952-ZERO-RES or visit ZeroResMN.com. Zero Res. Spell it backward or forward. Spells the same. It's the Mike McEntee Show here on AM 950. Norman Goldman is coming up here in just a few minutes after the news, but I'm asking you what you think about Roseanne Barr being essentially fired, her show being canceled for putting out a racist tweet. 952-946-6205. Gary from Minneapolis is on the line. Hey, Gary, what you think? Yeah, hi. Uh, I want to uh, give people something to think about. Uh, firing her, what she deserved, compared to... Get, getting uh, Phil Donahue off the air for criticizing that terrible invasion of Iraq. We're st- the Mid- Middle East is still on fire, and that has more to do with it than anything, that, that illegal war, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, you, you know, the media, they talk about, they're always talking about Trump, and it was mentioned on Hartman, I think, one of these days. They still don't talk about the bread and butter, fixing our health care better, and making it worse, and, and, and people making a living. Or they're underemployed. So uh, the media won't let the progressives talk about that on the TV sets. Thank you. Okay, Gary. Hey, thanks. Um, This blew up in my Twitter feed here today, and uh, one of the White House correspondents that I follow uh, tweeted out, Roseanne is a foul-mouthed bigot and ignoramus, but if we're defending the First Amendment, shouldn't its protections be extended to those for whom we dislike and disagree? ABC claimed, quote, values which in corporate speak likely means they are protecting their broader business interests. Yep. When you do something that's going to hit the bottom line, that's suddenly when people's, especially those who are in, in charge, start caring. Just like we were talking about with Starbucks, just like when we were talking about when it starts hitting the bottom line, that's when businesses start doing something. Take note of that. Hey, uh, a reminder, the Uptake has classes that uh, you can take if you want to learn how to be a better storyteller. Uh, theuptake.org slash classes. You should check them out. We are starting those next, well, this weekend. So sign up soon. I'm Mike McEntee. I'll be back here tomorrow. Norman Goldman's up next. Hey, Mom, thanks for listening.